Welcome to the Courage Coaching and Counseling Podcast with Savon Penn, licensed professional counselor here in Portland, Oregon. Wherever you're at in life, this podcast will inspire and encourage you to be more brave in life and take the next best step between where you are and where you want to be. Hello, my guest for episode 69 of the podcast is Danielle Burnock. Danielle is a multiple childhood trauma survivor who turned her pain into purpose as an international award-winning author, dynamic speaker, host of Victoria's Souls podcast, trauma-informed self-love coach, and founder of 4F Media. For, for years, Danielle has been helping men, women, and organizations emerge with a clear vision of their value, take ownership of their choices, and chart a path to their promise, becoming victorious souls who embrace the change from survive to thrive through the power of the love of God, using her proven process, self, S-E-L-F. Her mantra is love yourself from survive to thrive, and she's known as that lady on the internet who loves you. Danielle enjoys life with her husband, Michael, in Michigan, near their adult children and grandchildren. Her books include Emerging with Wings, A Bird Named Pain, Love's Manifesto, and Because You Matter. It was at a young age that Danielle's walk with the Lord began, but trauma made a mess of it. Steeped in pain and without support, her life spiraled out of control. But God understood her pain and pursued her with his love, bringing her back to himself and healing her heart. He has commissioned her to share the love she's come to know and empower others to embrace their God-given greatness. I love this uh, interview with Danielle because we talked about healing and overcoming uh, trauma and challenges in her life, but we also talked a lot about God's love. Um, and loving other people and loving yourself. Um, it was really encouraging. Uh, we talk about uh, a little bit about the process of writing her books and a number of other topics. So I hope you enjoy this interview with Danielle. All right. Welcome to the Danielle. Thank you for uh, coming on. Well, thank you, Savan. I'm excited to get into this today. Yes. So the there's there's lots of things that that I'd like to learn fr- from you today and 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 talk with you about, especially your work with trauma. But could you introduce yourselves? Introduce yourself to listeners. Well, I'm Danielle Burnack from DanielleBurnack.com. I'm that lady on the internet who loves you. I connect people to the love that heals, so you can love yourself. Self, love yourself. From Survive to Thrive. The things I do, I record them live. So when I mess up like I just did, you get to hear that. I don't edit things like that out because it's important to me that it's genuine and vulnerable that we connect. I'm a real person. I really do love you. That's not just a tagline I've thrown out there. I have learned how important it is to know that you're loved. And so that is my core of what I do. I even have an acronym for it. My core values of being a victorious soul is love, which is love, ownership, victor, and esteem. 
Mm. And I'm all about love because that is the most important thing in our lives. Mm. Yeah. The, and I love that about you. And I do believe that uh, being, being loved is so important. I was just reflecting on that this morning. So someone sent me a little quote from, from Oprah and you know, what is like the most important thing in life? And when I read it, I was like, no, I, I really think knowing God's love and knowing that we are loved and, and who we are is secure, no matter what we do or what we've been through, like we're accepted. We have everything we need when we're loved well, when we mm -hmm. have that love. It's so important. So uh, uh, you, you do a podcast. Yes. So how did you come to do your podcast or write about what you write about? Well, I started writing uh, a number of years ago, released my first book in 2014. Little thing out here for your listeners. It's never too late. I was 55 when I published my first book. I just saw a post on Instagram earlier today about the ages that different people were when they, they called it success, but you can call it whatever you want. But when you do something, you know, many people think they're too old or they're too this or they're too this or too this or too this. No, if you're breathing, there's time start today. So I released my first book when I was 55. I just decided one day to start. It was something that had been stirring in my heart for a long time. I never took action on. And the statistics out there are 81% of people want to write a book. Only 4% of them actually do. 15% mm -hmm. of people start and don't finish. <laughs> and I did a live the other day about, do you really want to do that? Because people will say, I want to do that. Well, do you really? Do you really? And it's important to pause and ask yourself that because maybe you're hurting yourself by saying, I want to do that. And you really don't, but you don't want to admit it to yourself, mm. but it's a much better life when we live in the truth, when we live in the honesty, when we live in the integrity of what we really want to do, or if there's a reason why we're not doing it, maybe it's fear. We have to get to the bottom of that. So I, I just addressed that the other day about so i brought that up about the numbers about writing a book so if you're thinking about writing a book do you really want to do that think about it so that you can take action and go after it you don't have to have it done in five minutes sometimes we put that too much pressure on ourselves we need to give ourselves a break we need to just pause and take a breath we need to chart it out long term and you know give ourselves the grace that we need so I released that first book in 2014. It's called Emerging with Wings, A True Story of Lies, Pain, and the Love That Heals. That was the beginning of a really deep dive of inner healing for me, of healing from trauma. I thought I had healed of it, <laughs> but then I start started to write about it, but I was in counseling and I learned I hadn't found and addressed everything until I was writing that book, which was why it was so terrifying to publish the book. All the second half of the book was all new to me when I published it. So it's like, felt like I stripped off my clothes and was running around the world naked. All this stuff was new to me. And I'm going to let people read this. What if someone actually reads this? Right. But I published it anyways, mm. because it's important to tell our stories, even when they're scary, even when there's hard things in it. But it is good to tell them from our scars and not our wounds. So it's good to wait until you have enough healing that it's safe to go out there and tell your story. 
But that's why I, I wrote that first book was to help others. I struggled for so long to heal. I had to just grab and claw and scrape and grab from over here and over here and put things together to get the healing I got. There was no one easy way to go about doing that. I ran into trouble. Mm -hmm. I ran into bad counselors. There are good ones and there are not good ones. And then there are ones that are not a good fit. And that doesn't mean the counselor is bad either. Maybe it's just not a good fit. Not a good fit. So good, my good. company, for if Media, blends all the things that I learned through that great big long journey because I'm a believer and faith is important to me. But I had religious trauma, so that was a problem. Mm. And Christian counselor I had, he re-traumatized me with mm. that. And I had to reach into psychology in science God created science. I don't know why so many Christians are afraid of it, but a lot of them are. So I blend the psychology, the science, the faith all together because God made it all. That's so important. A lot of folks that are hurting, they don't want to keep hurting. They want to heal. They want to make changes in their life, but they don't know who to trust and what's the process and, and how to, to discern that. For You said it's important to find the right fit, but mm -hmm. do you have some advice for someone with like what to look for or notice in, in themselves that it's not a good fit for, for healing from, from trauma? Well, if they are going to blame you for everything, that's not a good fit. That was something Ooh. I ran into. Yeah. Uh, I had a counselor call me a liar. Uh, <laughs> uh, she, abandoned me in the waiting room is what she did. I was knocking on the door and I finally left after 20 minutes. And then she calls me on the phone and said, where are you? I said, I was waiting in the waiting room. And she said, no, you weren't. And she just called me a liar. I'm like, I was done. I'm out of there. I went through four counselors to get the counselor I finally found for when I was writing my book. And that was one of them, the one that did that to me. And I was giving up. I was actually on the verge of giving up but then one that I'd left a message for that I'd gotten as a reference. And I was looking for someone who was trauma-informed. And this lady didn't have it listed as being trauma-informed. So I was hesitant to go to her. But she was a reference. So I tried. Yes. <laughs> and I was on the verge of like, no, I'm no, I'm not doing this. These people are hurting me more. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and that's not good. Mm. And she called me and I answered the phone. And I ended up having a meltdown on the phone with her. And that's how I learned she was a good fit, how she treated me mm. while I was having that meltdown on the phone with her because yes. I was falling apart from all those other counselors that had, were doing me harm, yeah. that were doing me harm. If your counselor is harming you, that is not a good fit. Mm. There are also different intakes and different styles of therapy, which I am not well-versed on that or what they're called. You would know that, Savan, because you are a counselor. I'm not mm -hmm. a counselor. I'm a coach. One of the places I went, they wanted me to fill, I had to fill out 12 or 13 pages of information. That was, hard. it ended up being to me. The one that I ended up going with and sticking with, I didn't have to fill out anything but my insurance stuff and my, and my name and address was all. And we did everything through talking and we just jumped in there. I didn't have to fill out and itemize all of my traumas for this person to read them on paper because then I re-traumatized myself. Mm -hmm. So 
what does someone need if they are going to fill out papers like that and that's not going to do them well then don't go to a counselor that requires that that does that if you want to do that then go to someone who does require that or ask them what the requirements are i mean do a little bit of research maybe get a reference you know make sure that they're not disaligned with your beliefs you don't have to go to a christian counselor per se but you know, if you're a Christian, you don't want to go to a counselor who is of a different kind of faith that is contrary to yours. That wouldn't be wise. So someone that's going to support you. And just to identify also for our listeners here, the difference between coaching and counseling. I love God. I believe God gave me this illustration because I think it's really easy to understand. Counseling is dealing with the past primarily. Imagine you're sitting in your car and you're going to back out of your driveway. You're going to use your mirrors only, or you're going to turn around and look behind you to back up, to get onto the street. And then once you get out there, then you can move forward. But in coaching, you're going forward. You're looking out your windshield and you're going to glance on your rear view mirror and your side view mirror. You know, you have to have that reference of the past here and there, but you're moving forward. So I really love that illustration. It helps people really understand. And mm. I'm saying really, a really lot of times. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I like to laugh at that because when people are listening to that and they're thinking, she said that a lot of times and now we can <laughs> laugh together. Yes. The half of the week I do coaching for an HMO for Kaiser Permanente and half the week I do counseling and, and I ask folks like at the start of sessions, what, what do they want to focus on and work on? And sometimes it's a topic, but sometimes what I mean is, do you want to focus on the past, the present or, or, or the future? What would be helpful to look at? And, and I really enjoy that or appreciate that illustration. I'm going to use it. It's really good. Yeah. It's so good. I have to give God the credit. (laughs) Yeah. Would it be okay to talk a little bit about healing and recovering from religious trauma? Because it's such a big topic these days. Yeah, I can talk about that. I discovered while writing my book that it was my core trauma. I have a big pile of different kinds of trauma that took me a lot of courage to own. Many people dismiss their trauma because they blame themselves or they think that it shouldn't be as big of a deal as it is. Mm. But owning it is how you get into healing. You have to own the truth. You have to own the word trauma, own the situation. You have to own, you know, your part of going forward because you didn't cause your own trauma, but you can cause your own healing. Because only you can change your life. No one can do it for you. I love that line by Carol Burnett. How I was traumatized in the church is I was a child. And we used to go to church every Sunday till something happened and my parents stopped going to church. Later, I learned why. At the time, I had no real understanding. I was a kid. Kids don't, even if you tell them, they're like, eh, they don't really get it. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to still go. I was suffering from childhood emotional neglect at the time and had no clue about it. Mm. And I didn't know it was called that until a couple of years ago. Mm. Childhood emotional neglect is what one of the things that set me up for other traumas in my life because I didn't have the emotional skills to deal with the things that were happening in my life. 
One of the side effects of childhood emotional neglect is a feeling of not belonging and a feeling of being unloved and being unlovable. Mm-hmm. I felt my family didn't love me. I believed I didn't, I maybe was adopted or something. I didn't know. I felt like I was not wanted. At one point in my life, I was told I was a accidental pregnancy. I was an accident. I was a mistake, which only fed into that. But going to this church, I liked it there. It was religious, but I was young enough that I didn't really get that. All I knew is I loved going. There was something there I wanted to know more. I kept going. I would take the bus and it would pick me up on the corner of my street. I think about that now and would kids do that now and the dangers we have in our world. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I went through all the things. I went through an altar call. I answered an altar call, which went kind of sideways also. He sent me off into a room with some lady who then asked me what was wrong instead of like leading me to the Lord. It was very kind of weird. But then I went into all the membership processes. You got to take the classes and do the things and go through all their legalistic things. I got baptized, which was part of it. And I did all of that so I could become a member. See, that's where it feeds into the childhood emotional neglect. I wanted to be a member. I wanted to belong. I wanted to be a part of something. I wanted someone to say, hey, you belong with us. So I went through all those things, you know, and I I hope that God accepted me. I was doing all the things I I had to do to be accepted. So the Sunday came for them to make me a member, you know, bring all the kids in, march us all to the front, sit us all in the front row of the church. And one by one, they call the kids up and they get to stand by the pastor and get that glowing feeling of being accepted and everyone, you know, welcoming you into the family. But they didn't call me up. They refused to let me be a member and left me sitting on the front row all by myself, showing that I was rejected from being a member of the church. I was devastated. I didn't understand. I've learned things after the fact that I didn't know that day. Mm. But the primary thing I learned that when I tell it, people, I don't know that I've ever heard anyone really understand the depth of the wound that the enemy did to my soul that day. Mm. But my father, God, he knew. And he understood because he's the one who showed me it was layers and layers and layers. I addressed it as I understood. I knew it hurt me. I had gone back to that church as an act of forgiveness when I got married because I didn't want to have that in my heart. I went away from God for a while. I came back and that was my way of, okay, I forgive you forgave me. I forgive them. That's my way of doing that. But God showed me that that little child heart of mine believed that the God of the universe that created everything and Jesus, the one who died for everyone, I was not accepted. I was thrown out. Jesus threw me out. The father threw me out. I There's no hope. When God throws you out, there's just. Where do you go? What, what can you turn to? Yeah. Yeah. And I expected rejection everywhere I went. 
And if I didn't get it, I created it. Mm. Not intentionally on purpose, but through reactions, expectations, self-sabotaging. But, you know, God's good. And he didn't throw me out. And that was a big fat lie that the devil fed that little kid heart of mine. And it took a lot for God to dig that lie out. But he was there. Jesus was there that day. He actually showed me in a vision where he was. I had a business mentor who also dealt with trauma. Invite people to ask God. You know, he was there. Where was he? So I dared to ask him. And at another time, he actually gave me a vision, the only time I've ever had any kind of a vision. But he took me to that place and I had a vision of him being there, what he said to me and everything. It was so beautiful. It just words cannot convey the beauty of what took place there. And he did just what he said to me. And he pursued me and he apprehended me and he's loved me back. And I know the depth of the feeling of no love that I have to convey the feeling to people that you are loved. You are loved. Dare to believe that you're loved. Entertain the possibility. If you can't entertain the truth, entertain just the possibility. I've written about this and I dare. That's why I use that word dare also. Because when you tell someone, they're going, don't tell me what to do. But if I dare you, it kind of like gets something inside of you that says, huh. it kind of like, moves that the law of sin and death out of the way <laughs> but, uh, i dare you to to entertain the thought that god loves you right there right now no matter what messes you're in no matter if it's all your fault or what if you go to psalm 107 four times it goes through they cried out to the lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his wonderful works and his kindness to men. I know I didn't quote that perfect, but that doesn't matter. The point is in four different places throughout that psalm, the people got in trouble this way. They cried out to God and he helped them. The people got into trouble a different way. They cried out to God and he helped them. They got into trouble a different way. He cried out to God and they helped him. They got into trouble a fourth way. Every time was a different way. And one of the ways it was all their fault. And we tend to think that if it's all our fault, we did something wrong, that there's no hope. No, it's all our fault. We cry out to the Lord in our trouble and he will deliver us from our distress. It doesn't matter. And trauma is never your fault. I don't care what decision you made to get yourself in that situation. Trauma is a wound on the inside of your body that you did not put there. Yeah. So that religious trauma, it separated me and damaged my walk with God, my perception of God. And when I came back to the Lord, I ended up in a whole bunch of legalism and, you know, in my fear and terror of God, I became like a Pharisee because I was so afraid I was doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. So then I, you know, I cried out to the Lord in my trouble and he delivered me from that distress. Yeah. Because I'm not like that anymore, but I just... I just want to know him more. He's the one he came and he saved me in the middle of every single mess I've ever made. The ones I've made myself and the ones people made for me. Mm. On your wall, it says live free. Mm -hmm. Above it, it says live loved. <laughs> live loved, live free. Ah, yes. How old were you, Danielle, when you had that vision? 
of where that vision yeah. that was just a few years ago oh wow okay it was somewhat recent yeah 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 i'm not sure if it i have it written down if i needed to i could look it up because yeah. i it happened when i was in the car my husband was driving thankfully <laughs> but he knew he could see something was happening so it was evident that it was happening to someone next to me but I was in my car, and as soon as we got home, I ran into my office and started writing down everything I could remember before that vision evaporated. Mm. Oh, <laughs> that's what they that's do, great. they evaporate. You, you <laughs> captured it, yeah. But from childhood, that experience on, on in the front of the church, and, and yeah. it impacted so much of your life. Oh, uh, every aspect of my life. When mm. the Lord opened my eyes to that inception of the lie, that's how he showed me. It was like Inception, like that. I don't know if you've seen the movie Inception. Oh, I love that movie and talk about it, was it like with that. clients a lot. Yeah, It was like that. It was an right. Inception of the lie. It was the scripture that when you come to Jesus, I will in no wise cast you out. The enemy took that scripture, twisted it around and planted it in my heart. And I believed it with all of my heart. And when God opened my eyes to that, my mouth literally dropped open and I saw the landscape of my whole life, how that lie had touched everything in my life. The, you know, we, when we experience God's love, it, it, it's freeing, but it's also it brings up a lot of grief when, when you see that. It's, it's, yeah, but it's he can heal it and he yeah. can heal it. If we'll give it to him, he can heal it. But mm -hmm. it's some things he can heal instantaneously. And some things need to take time because we have mindsets. We have thought patterns. We have a nervous system. We have the prefrontal cortex and the, all the different parts of our biological self. The body keeps a score. Right. And so we have to deal with that. So I have, I'm so happy about my friend Janine McConaughey who mm -hmm. has her book trauma in the pews yes. I've had her on my podcast because she's she's getting access into the churches churches are inviting her in and I'm I'm really excited about that because I have had trouble getting into the churches first off I didn't want to go in them because of fear mm -hmm. because of my religious trauma sure as the Lord showed me that even though my greatest love is the Lord Jesus Christ my greatest fear was abandonment from the church betrayal by the church mm. so it took me until it wasn't until last year when i actively started reaching out to churches but they have an aversion they have an aversion because they got their things down they have how they want to do it i have had a handful of churches who have welcomed me and much more the community has opened its arms to me i'm doing workshops in a number of community centers and senior centers to help people understand what trauma is. I have a, three workshops I'm doing now. I started with just one, but now I, it's increasing. I have six, but I started with one. You offer six, it's too many for people. So I started with the one trauma-informed self. And now I'm bringing in my calming yourself and loving yourself because my process is self, which is also a problem for some parts of the body of Christ, some parts of the church, I'll say, not the body of Christ, because self is our soul. Mm -hmm. That was part of me that was damaged in that religious trauma. That was the part you needed to kill. You needed to crucify yourself and you needed to die. And I didn't understand how I could be alive if I had to be dead mm -hmm. and how that scripture was all twisted around with mangling that the enemy did because 
that's what he does is he twists things like a twist type <laughs> he would twist that yeah it's the ego and it's even in the bible about calls it the ego in some translations i found recently it actually calls it the ego and that's the part that we need to crucify. It's the soul that we need to save. And Jesus came to save the soul. And he said, with patience, possess your soul. That's the part. That's the self. That's the self that I talk about. Yeah, that's great. You're doing those workshops. You're doing your podcast and, and being a guest on podcasts. So you, you your message and, and what you can teach can reach people. Yeah. There, there's so many people that stopped going to church at the start of the pandemic that that haven't gone back or are struggling with the decision to go back because that space getting out of the religious rhythms and patterns and just doing things out of duty it made people really think and reflect well, why am i doing this and mm -hmm. what hasn't worked what isn't working for me yeah. Oh. And what was your church telling you? Because there's churches that are preaching the truth and then there are those that are very legalistic. And I don't want to be attacking any of them. I've been struggling with this. I've talked to the Lord about it. It's like, I love the body of Christ, but the church yes. has a lot of problems, the politics of it and the government of it. One of the wonderful things that happened with church with the pandemic was streaming online. This opened it to so many more people all around the world where I fellowship at. They started streaming during the pandemic. They had been talking about it, never doing it, and mm -hmm. finally did it during the pandemic. I was so excited. I love that they did that. They're reaching other countries. You, you can't do that in person. <laughs> right. You have to do it that way. And they're continuing. And it saddens me to no end that some churches are not continuing it. I heard one person tell me at one time, being nice and vague here, because I don't want to be exposing any person or particular church or anything, but they were saying, they were telling me about how their church was stopping the on streaming, the online streaming, because they thought it was making Christians lazy and they needed to be going to church. So they were stopping the online streaming like that could force people to go to church. I'm like, that is the mindset that is mangling people. Yeah. Mm. yeah. That saddens me when they, they are like that. It's like, if someone's going to not go to church, you stop and it isn't going to make them show up unless you're coercing them. And then they're not there with their heart anyways. Right. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> the, as, uh, as you're doing the, these workshops, Danielle, um, uh, what are you noticing in in folks that, that that come or go through it? Well, the trauma informed ones. I'm not getting the turnout that I would like because there's a stigma to the word trauma. I'm trying to break that, so it's going to take some time to get traction with that. I'm going to not give up. You know, dry ground. When it's good and hard and dry, it takes a long time for the water to finally seep in. So I'm going to just be patient and keep going and keep going and find the way in. Using the term mental health has been helpful because we can talk about mental health now. It has stigmas in some places anyway still, but not as much as 
before. So I use the term mental health. Trauma is one of the three main causes of mental health issues. That's how I introduced my trauma-informed self-workshop. Trauma is one of the three main causes of mental health issues. It's true. It's not the only one, but it is one. And people don't know what trauma actually is. Now, people love to come more to in-person events. Events, I believe that's a side effect from the pandemic now. I was just talking with another business owner earlier today about how the world has changed so much since the pandemic. Business is not as usual. It's not going back to usual. People are not doing the same things. People are acting a lot differently. They expect differently. And we're all learning as we're going because nobody knows why we're doing all the different things. People, some have studied things and we can learn from them. But I think we're all still figuring it out. Those that they want to work from home. Well, why? And, you know, it takes self-awareness to get to the bottom of that. Mm. Online was wonderful, but we need people in person. So I'm trying to do more in-person events. I became that lady on the internet who loves you right before the pandemic. Mm. It works through the pandemic. Yeah. I'm telling people when I'm in person that I'm that lady on the internet who loves you, who is now that lady in person who loves you. Yes. Because I love you, no matter whether we're in person or online. People are craving in person, even introverts. I mean, it's measured because I'm an introvert <laughs> who has learned how to become an extrovert when I need to because of what I do. Yes. Yeah. The, you know, be, being, being the lady on the internet who loves you like that, it was just, just at the right time for, for when people just, that's all we could do is be on the internet and <laughs> we were stuck at, at yeah. home. And the, in, the, 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 the internet for a lot of people, when they experience re rejection and loneliness and isolation in, in real life, even before the pandemic, it is really power, a really powerful place to co connect with people and have relationships. I know sometimes it says in real life and they mean in person, but, you know, connecting through the internet, it, it is real life. Uh, mm -hmm. It is real connection. You can actually love people through the internet and mm -hmm. you know we we've connected i think we we were like trying to figure it out i think you know through the the, the writing like following uh jeff goines he's always in, in encouraging writers i mm -hmm. think that we have that in common and i was in tribe writers and i went to a few of the conferences so mm -hmm. yeah and <clears throat> i'm 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 a, a big fan of, of jeff and you know his he had the 500 words per day mm -hmm. uh, facebook group and I'm so glad you're, you're doing what you're doing. It's so needed. And the, and, and that you've, you, you, you did the work of counseling. You didn't give up on finding a counselor. Right. Uh, I, the, you know, like right now there, there can be long waiting lists for, for, for counselors and some people, they, it, it's already just been so hard and scary or scary and challenging the idea of going to counseling. And then, you know, you try to search or, or make some phone calls and then, or, or not to mention like having harmful negative experiences with people, mm -hmm. counselors, it's, yeah, I just want to encourage uh, anyone listening to, to put, push through to, to, to get what you need. 
Yeah, don't give up on yourself. Yes, exactly. When you think about it, if the counselor's falling through the cracks, don't give up on yourself. Right. I reached out for a, to reconnect with a counselor because my counselor I had, she's retired now. Hmm. I was looking for a new counselor. I thought it might be a good thing to do after the pandemic. I also, my grandson in March of last year was diagnosed with leukemia. And we had other things going on in our life on top of that. I thought maybe I should do counseling for a little bit here. I'm going through some bumpy stuff here. Mm. None of them responded to me. Mm. They, they just did not respond to my phone call, email stuff. Just no response. I've done other things to take care of myself. Where else to say again, don't give up on yourself. If the counselor thing isn't going to work, do something else self-educate books courses you know your pastor a coach get support or a coach yes yeah yeah i i love that don't give up on yourself like the the goal is healing and 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 taking care of yourself your soul um experiencing freedom and 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 joy and and peace and in um emotional health that that's the goal. The goal isn't to go to counseling, like, you know, yeah. my, my, my podcast or, or, you know, sometimes on social media, I'm encouraging people to, to go to counseling as needed, but the goal isn't to find a counselor. The goal is you, to, to heal your life yeah. and live the life that God wants you to live. And, you know, counseling can be a part of that, but there's so many ways to heal, you know, like aspiring writers. I, I like how you started at the beginning, like, you know, success or, or, or pursuing whether uh, it's writing or, or some other goal or artistic expression that, that is part of uh, a healing process that like God uses, I think, to, to help us overcome fear and the limits Mm -hmm. and, and the, the, the rejection. It's, it's sad when the rejection of others, then, then we, uh, agree with that and we we start to set limits and or even reject ourselves Mm -hmm. rejecting the possibilities uh and you know that that's that's how our hope and our dreams die yeah that's why that mangling mm -hmm. of the self i think is important to get corrected that the self matters that loving yourself is not sinful Mm -hmm. i was taught or caught, not quite sure, <laughs> that loving myself was sinful. If I loved myself, it was sinful. You're not supposed to love yourself. You're supposed to love God. You're supposed to love God and love others. You're supposed to hate yourself and kill yourself and all these awful things that are lies. No, when you love yourself, you're loving something God loves. So if you love yourself, you're honoring God because you're loving something he loves. He loves us. That's why Jesus came was to show us how much God loves us Mm. you who are listening god loves you i love you you matter you have great value and god wants you to love yourself he doesn't want you to be the center of the universe because you can't handle it i'm not god and you're glad i'm not god because Mm. i would mess it all up so Mm. i'm glad you're not god too so we need to have god be god and have him be the center and love ourselves and each other and learn but he loved us first that's where we get the pump primed when i discovered that that we love because he first loved us he he primed the pump if you pump water through a well you have to prime the pump which means you have to pour water in to get water out 
God poured love into us first. It, the commandment to love God did not come first. He loved us first. Right. The, the, the more and more we, we get in, in touch with that and, and really soak it in and meditate yeah. on it. It's so important. And the world beats us up and, 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 and pulls that away. Or, or we, we hear messages that call that into question. And so we have to reorient our hearts and our minds to, to the reality of that. Our church is doing a sermon series in Ephesians right now. And it's, you know, Ephesians and Psalms are, are, are my favorite books. Like we're, we're God's workmanship and and we have uh good things that god's prepared for us to do in this world mm. and and the fear and the rejection the trauma um derails us or gets us off track um and but we need others and and god to to heal yeah, yeah. To, to, to remind us of of his love and god loves us through people yes and and so it's yes, we, we, we need to, to know that God loves us, but it, it it's, it's hard to live out that life, but, but also like uh, all I, all I need is God. I think, I think yeah. uh, Steve Arterburn hit a, a book, I think is life's healing choices or is the idea that all I need is God. I don't need other people. It, it, it limits us when we say we, 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 we don't need people. That's not true. It's something recently was revealed to me. I tell people how love is our greatest need. Humans are created in the image and likeness of God. The Bible tells us God is love. We're created in his image and likeness. We're created out of love. That's why love is our greatest need. But recently, I have seen that we are created with something else that is inherent in just who we are because we're humans. God is a trinity. God is a community. We're created in his image. We're created with the need for community because we're created in his image. That's why we're social creatures, by virtue of how he created us. So no man is an island is a, a quote, but it's not... It, no man is an island. We need each other. We were created with that need. We are social creatures by design. Yes. And, and each of us matters like yeah. your, your, your book, because you matter, you know, in, in that community, we all play, play a part. Yeah. Well, just think about your body, you know, think about all the different parts of a body and all the different cells and kinds of cells and the systems and the organs and how they all have to play nice. For your body to function. And when your body isn't functioning, it's because something's not playing nice. Mm -hmm. And so we we need to play nice with one another. That's how we get along. When it, unity and harmony, it's like we need to play nice, but we all matter. We all have different functions. The body, they're all different functions. They all have to play their role. Mm -hmm. You know, the nose can't be your arm, you know, and your finger can't be your eyeball. I mean, it just cannot do it. But yeah. that doesn't mean the finger's better than the eyeball. It means they're different. They have a different function. So people matter in all of our different giftings and talents and things that we do in the color of our skin and our hair and how tall we are, or whatever. 
all the variety. Just look around us in the world and the variety that we are surrounded by in nature alone. God loves variety. I mean, yes. we need to love variety and diversity. I'm just, it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. As you're describing that, Daniel, it's reminding me of one of my favorite books, probably read it 25 years ago, 30 years ago, but it was fearfully and wonderfully made by Philip Yancey and then Paul Brand, who is a, a medical doctor. Mm -hmm. And they just wrote about the beauty of the different parts of our body, mm -hmm. about how we, we've been created and, and just how amazing everything works together <clears throat> yeah it's just stop and think body. about it do you yeah. think about making your heartbeat no it just does that mm -hmm. have you ever watched a little kid discover their hands or their feet i i love that yes. we lose that mm -hmm. sense of wonder as adults we get caught up in the stress and the everyday thing i try to encourage people to just pause pause for a minute and just feel your heartbeat mm -hmm. look at your hands and Consider how no one else has your fingerprints. Think yeah. about the wonder of the body that you live inside of. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right now, one of my favorite things in life is spending time with my granddaughter. But our church, what we've been going to the last couple of years, it's a lot of fun and lots of energy because there's lots of young families and lots of kids. And speaking of wonder, something. Sometimes when they're doing a, a song or they're just playing, I, I just dream or wonder about like what their future is, like mm -hmm. what God's going to do in their lives. And as a counselor, I know we all go through challenges and, and hard things, and I hope that they don't go through pain and, and trauma, but I just like seeing kids are just so happy and free. And, and I like that our church loves kids because mm -hmm. you know your story was it's so sad it's just so wrong what happened and whether you're, whether you're, you're 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 young and you experience rejection or or even adults and it i have some friends clients and friends I, they had just rejection and loneliness it just becomes almost like an identity or, or a lens in which they approach relationships and it's mm -hmm. just more and more rejection it's just so sad to see it just reinforces the lie that mm -hmm. i'm unlovable and uh, so yes it, it's so important for us to tell the truth to ourselves to remember that we do matter but also to love other people to be kind to to, to other people and not just polite. Mm -hmm. but, well, but, it's but easier really to be people. kind to others if you're being kind to yourself. Mm -hmm. It really is a reflection of what's going on inside of our own self, How whether we're kind or whether we're not kind. Do mm -hmm. we love ourselves or do we let others love us? Do we actually love these people? Do we care about them? Or mm -hmm. is it something we're doing just so we can get something? It's all about the heart. That's what God has said from the beginning. It's all mm -hmm. about the heart what's going on in the heart. And we need to focus on that. Like, like it's a garden. That's how I tell people to look at yourself. Like you're a garden, Yes. a beautiful yeah. garden. A garden has to be planted. A garden has to be watered. A garden needs to be weeded. Mm -hmm. You know, we need to plant good things in ourselves on purpose. We need to feed on good things on purpose, feed on the word of God, feed on good words and affirmations that, you know, we write out ourselves or whatever works people sometimes trip over that word affirmation 
but we also need to weed out the lies, the things that are hurting us. We need to water ourselves with, with love and grace and mercy and relationships. And then we need to harvest and give some of ourselves away to other people through serving others, but we can't harvest everything or everything's gone. Yeah. We need, that's why we need to do proper self-care. Right. So for anyone who has a hang up about affirmation, I would just say that it's just meditating and reflecting on God's truth about who he is and who we are. Um, it's, it's just certain words can be triggering for people. So I like okay. to point that out in case someone, you know, felt that yes. it's like, if you don't like that word, don't use a word. I right. didn't use a word for a long time. There's lots of words that can trigger us. Yes. So if you find a word that triggers you, we, then we have to find our way around that word because mm -hmm. you who are listening, you matter more than any particular word you matter. So whether you like that word or don't like that word, it's just speaking words of love and grace and building up into your soul. Yes. Yes. The, this is, this time has been super encouraging to me is also a reminder to, to, to press into finishing my book <laughs> that, that I wrote five, six years ago. I, I do hope I will car carve out the time to, to edit it and, put it out there <laughs> you can do it if you do it little by little it doesn't have to be big chunks we get intimidated by big things so yes. you could do you know, give yourself 15 minutes a day yeah half hour a day you know so it won't be done by next week but it'll get done right right all we have is today right it's not too late as long as you're breathing but we have today we have right now right now is the only time we actually have you know five minutes ago is gone yeah. tomorrow isn't here yet I have right now. I, I, I love uh, that you, you've written your book at, at 55, your first one. Mm -hmm. And then I, I had Janine on an episode or two ago. And <laughs> she's, I think she's written five or six books in mm -hmm. the last few years. Of, yeah. And, and, and just to bring this up again about mm -hmm. it's never too late. She went into counseling at 61. Right. Right. <laughs> and so many people, they're married for decades they raise their kids they launch their kids and and even at that point you can still heal like so many moms or, or even dads they're like well i you know i'm done my job in life is done my kids survived and we launched them now what like no there's there's so much learning and and love to share still mm -hmm. There's, there's still, God still has a purpose for empty nesters and retired yeah. people. I have to find that some people, they go through empty nest easily and some people struggle and some people pretend to be fine and are struggling. That was me mm. <laughs> because, you know, going through empty nest was like not allowed. I would, I disallowed myself from that. I was still suffering at that time. I hadn't written my book yet. I was horribly suffering from empty nest because that was what, I was called to, right. I wasn't going to have kids. And God told me I was going to, he had me sit down and pray for them mm -hmm. to have them and wasn't supposed to be able to have children. And I had them, he gave me their name. So my children existing is a supernatural thing. So when they left the nest, I didn't know what to do with myself. Yeah. I was like, Oh my goodness. I just tried. I tried to stay involved. It's probably more like enmeshment. I have no idea. I'd never heard that word back then. Because I didn't know what to do. I was ignorant. My ignorance and my trauma 
hurt me. But God's good, and he helped me through that. And I've written about it to help others. You know, sometimes a midlife crisis it can be a good thing because it's, it's when you reevaluate. Mm. If you take the time to pause and reevaluate, we need to do that more than once in our life. We need to do that all the time. Right. The advantage uh, uh, of being a counselor for the last uh, almost 20 years is I, I, I see what my clients go through and I can like I can pre-suffer and like <laughs> overthink you know, like emptiness wasn't a shock to me. Mm-hmm. I've been preparing for emptiness for years and years and years. And, you know, you know, I love my kids so much, like just, you know, preparing for them to, to go off and be adults and, and do their thing. You know, the, the process of letting go has just been very gradual and conventional. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm suffering, but it's, yeah, when you love your kids, it's hard. It's the mixed feelings of lots of pride mm-hmm. and lots of just peace and relief, you know, what they're doing. But and it's also parenting mm-hmm. is very time consuming. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean that in a quantifiable, oh. it takes a lot of time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you invest your life in them because it takes time to pay attention to this and take them there to learn. I mean, it, there's a lots of things. Mm-hmm. So then when they're not there, it's like, what do you do with all that? time right yeah you you write That's books one of the- <laughs> <laughs> you write books and do workshops <laughs> and i do speaking and i yes. do coaching and i do podcasting and i do lots of things so yes. but yes. i had to learn mm. to have a life of my own it's like i got mm. lost as a mom and many moms do that yeah they get lost they lose their identity as a person apart from being a mom so i had to regain my identity as a human which actually I had to find it in the first place because it was lost through trauma. Yeah. So mine was a whole whole ball of dealing with that and healing from traumas. Right. Kind of a really big mess, but that's faithful. And yeah. you know, he helped me write that book. I, I have gone back and reread that book at certain times mm. for particular reasons and just been, I would stop and say, wow. Mm. I'm like, I didn't write this. This mm. is too good. You needed it. Yes. yes. No, but, but I I saw how I wrote it. I'm like, how did I come up with this? Mm. I didn't. Wow, this is really, this is amazing. Mm. And I'm amazed at it. So I stop and say, God wrote that book. I was there in the process of it, but I think it's way too good for, it was, didn't come out of my own head. Mm. He helped me do that. I didn't have a clue. I didn't know anything about writing a book. I didn't know any of the terminology about writing a book. It was study and prayer and study and prayer and poof, we have a book. <laughs> and so, not giving up. That that's great. That's great. So as we wrap things up for, for today, can you share, Daniel, with the listeners how they can learn more about you and keep in touch with the things that you're, you're doing? My website is daniellebernock.com. It's D-A-N-I-E-L-L-E-B-E-R-N-O-C-K.com. I always spell it because the way my name sounds, it sounds like you would spell it differently. You can access all my courses, my podcast, my blog, everything I have, my socials is located at my website, even a link to my other website, victoriasouls.com, that houses all my programs that I have. You can find me there. I would love to connect with you. I even have an option if you want a one-time talk 
We can schedule a one-time talk so there's no commitment to coaching. That's available at my website as well. And I just want to encourage you who are listening. If you're skittish and you're timid about going for coaching or counseling, you don't want you're you're that skittish, I want to do this by myself thing. You don't want the other people involved quite yet. I encourage you to buy my book because you matter. Get a copy of that. You can read it in the privacy of your home. You'll hear a little bit about my story, though my whole story is in Emerging with Wings. But I also interviewed 10 other people who have been through 10 other different kinds of trauma. Mm -hmm. So you can feel related to their men, their women, all different ages to bridge all those different gaps so that you can feel how much you matter. Mm -hmm. You can dip your toe in the healing pool to give you the courage to sign up for coaching or counseling or whatever it is that you need. So I encourage you to take that one action, get that one book because you can do it in privacy, but I'm at my website, all the things. Great. And I love you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Danielle. I, I loved uh, th this conversation and I'm, I'm so uh, grateful for our friendship. And this. Thank you. Right. Thank you for the privilege of sharing so openly and, talking about so many different things. Thank you. You're welcome.